You guys can take your seats. Thank you so much. Happy, happy, happy Mother's Day to everybody. It's, a, it's an amazing day. And again, you can go get some treats and some cake and everything after we're done. You guys, how cool is this little podium? <laughs> it's just for me. <laughs> Even though I have heels on, I did have my slippers on earlier. Um, but I had said to my buddy, I need the, the podium that's a little lower, or if not, my notes are up to here. And uh, that's no fun for me. Um, I am the easiest mother to love on. I am so low maintenance, like I require nothing. So much to the point where I actually buy my own gifts when I want a gift. Typically, yeah, I, I don't even require anything. I'm just, I'm like, no, I'm good. Please, I, I'm the boss. I'm like, don't spend the money. Get the kids this year, they need to make cards, okay? Make the cards, um, pick the dandelions. That's when they were little. Um, and now I actually buy my own gifts. And so I made a little trip to Costco this week. And even though it goes against everything within me, Amy, I bought a, a basket of flowers and put them outside. But the frost still comes. So I have to bring the basket inside and then take it back out in the daytime. So I've got myself some live flowers. And I bought myself some solar um, garden lights. Like Home Depot is my favorite ever and Canadian Tire, like my absolute fave. So I bought myself that. And I also bought myself one more thing, glasses, tumblers from Costco. They're all different colors and they're plastic, but they look glass and they're gorgeous. So I did all that and it was happy Mother's Day to me. It's the best ever. I'm really, really excited today to preach the word of God. I am so pumped. Um, I, in our church, we're so grateful for the preaching pastors. I mean, Pastor Mike and Pastor Matt are fantastic at painting the picture of the Word of God. I honor them. Amen. Um, they are gifted and anointed, and they are amazing at it. But today, I'm super excited. Uh, January, as a staff, we met in this beautiful Airbnb um, post-COVID. And we got together as a staff because we're only five years old, you guys. Like, we've only had a few years into this. So we get together as a staff and we prayed and calendared what we felt the Holy Spirit was leading us to lead you in purpose with. You know, we do that. That when every single Sunday someone comes forward with the word of God, it's something that we have felt led in, empowered by God to do. And so we met in January and we talked about all the series that we are going to do up until September. And I love the hospitality series that we did. It changed me. Um, I, I hate hospitality. Lord Jesus. I pick friends who are hospitable on purpose. I, like, get, you don't have to be good at everything. Just gather people around you who are good at those things. But I joke, but I was so convicted um, it was a beautiful, beautiful series, so much that I made stew for my sister-in-law because she had a surgery, and I thought, I got this. I don't even know if Chandelier's in the room this morning. I think she is. So I made this beautiful, amazing stew, put it on a tray, had the beautiful napkins. It was gorgeous. I was walking to the door with the stew, and the handle broke on the tray. Yeah, so much for being hospitable, Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, 
But in any case, it was, that series was fantastic. And again, we did the pillars of prayer, worship, giving. And we went into Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, it, God has us on a journey on purpose and intentionally in our church. And so I'm super, super excited to continue today with the Holy Spirit series. Personally, I had a really amazing, refreshing encounter with the Holy Spirit after COVID. Um, COVID, I felt the very thing that was downloaded into my heart was, who do you want to be when this is over? Because you can be a lot of things. And boy, were we pushed and pulled and tested and all kinds of things during COVID. But, I, but right away, I had that word, who do you want to be when this is over? And we made it through, but as a church, we started Nova Groups again when COVID was over, and I joined my best friend's Nova Group, and we had a Bible study on the Holy Spirit, and the book was called Don't Miss Out. And I'm telling you, it was the most amazing recipe for everything my soul needed. There was a small knit group of us. There was just, um, I think, maybe eight, eight of us. And we dug into this book, and there was truly a change in my life. I, I honestly was discipled during that time. And being discipled, you guys, you know we're called to be disciples. Jesus told us in his word, he said to go and make disciples. But being discipled and being a disciple means that you're a learner, that that never changes. If you stop learning and growing and maturing in your faith, then that's not being a disciple. So I got discipled and I'm so excited. It's been um, a couple of years now of still being led on that specific journey, learning and growing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna walk through some of the things that I've learned personally with the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Okay, Michael's ready. Jesus had 12 disciples on this earth. They knew him as man, and they knew him as Messiah. I mean, that's pretty awesome. For me, I know Jesus as my savior. I know him through the word of God. But to actually walk humanly with him would have been a whole other level. And the disciples learned so much from Jesus. Like he was the best teacher in the world. There ain't nobody like him. Now, Kathleen, you're an amazing teacher. But I'm saying Jesus was the son of God. Like he's, he's pretty remarkable. And so with his disciples, they knew so much about him. They knew what he loved to eat. Like hasn't the chosen painted the picture so great for everybody when you think about Jesus and how he walked and, and encountered everybody on earth. Okay, so he, the disciples really and truly knew so much about Jesus. They knew what he liked to eat. They knew if he was a loud chewer. They knew firsthand and experienced the miracles and healings. They experienced all this firsthand. And Jesus was really specifically intentional about teaching. He taught the disciples about prayer and fasting. And we know the stories that they would try to cast out demons and they'd be like, Lord, it didn't work. He's like, right. Here, you actually, it has to come out with prayer and fasting. Okay. 
when the little children would come to him, the disciples rebuked the kids. And Jesus was like, wait, no, no. When the little children come to me, it says, if you're welcoming me, they are important. Jesus taught the disciples about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the most incredible power that we have in walking at our faith. In John 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 7, I'm going to read New King James, which is not my cup of tea. I don't think I've ever quoted New King, King James in my life. But here we go, because it's important and it says exactly what it needs to say. This is Jesus, and he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He's a truth teller. He won't tell us anything different. He can't. It's not his character. He said, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do go away, the helper, if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Three really important things that Jesus is teaching the disciples about the power of the Holy Spirit right there. Truth. Undeniably, period. He is telling the truth. It's to your advantage. It's even better that I go away. Like it's going to be even better. How can we even comprehend that? I'm sure they were thinking about all the images and the times they'd seen Jesus do things. And they're like, I don't understand how this is going to be to my advantage. How, how is that going to be? And it's the helper. The Holy Spirit, he is our helper. So Jesus teaches the disciples, but then he goes another step and he then promises the Holy Spirit. So I don't know about you, but when I say something to my children when they were little, when I would say it, it didn't hold as much weight as if I promised. So Maddie just got her learners and all week we were telling her, we're going to take you out and do your driving. We're going to take you out and do your driving. We're going to take you out and do your driving. And we didn't promise. So it didn't actually end up happening until Friday, right? There's a difference when Jesus is telling them and then he's promising them because his promises are true. The promises of God, there's nothing like them. And so he promises. Okay, so in John, we're going to read chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 15 down to 30. And the title of the chapter is Jesus Promises the Holy Spirit. I don't even need my glasses. I just realized I left my lovely reading glasses at 48. I need them. Ready? John 14. Starting at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives in you and will be in you. He lives with you and will be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live in you. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I'm in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. 
The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do, I, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus replies, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He, like Jesus was so wise. He didn't even have children, but he still repeated, 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 right? Because that's what you have to do. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Gosh, that one stings. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear me say are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still here with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've had said to you. Teach and remind. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to my father. For my father is greater than I. Yeah, we're just, disciples are selfish. We don't get it. I have told you now, before it happens... This is the resurrection he's talking about. So that when it does happen, you're going to believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let's leave. So in summary, the Holy Spirit will be so many things in that, in that chapter, in those verses. He's going to be in, in you. And for how long? Forever. He's the spirit of truth. He's not a liar. He's not going to mislead you. He's not going to confuse you. He's going to like shoot straight truth. And he's, you're not going to be alone. You will not be alone in this journey of your faith. In your heartbreak, in your... Under, not understanding and your confusion, you're not going to be alone. You're going to have a helper to teach and remind you of all the things of God. And Jesus says, I'm telling you all of this before it happens so that you will believe. And then Jesus, obviously, he leaves. It goes down, he gets crucified, he dies. And he rises again. And then he visits the disciples. Before he's gone to heaven, before he's completely leaving this earth, he shows up again because he's that good. <laughs> I think I'd be out. The cross was a heavy, let's be real. It is, that was a lot to be led through. And I'm not being, I'm not joking, I'm saying that was a lot. But he still cares and shows up. And in Luke 24, 49, this is what it says. And now I will send the Holy Spirit. So again, we were told, he told us, told the disciples, and then he promised. And now he says, he's following through on his word. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. So stay 
here. He's saying, you got to wait. you got to wait for a second. Stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and does something really, really amazing. Fills you with power. Fills you with power. So that's changed now. Because first he was telling the disciples, okay, this is who's coming. I'm telling you about him. And then the second one he promises, but this one, a different attribute is explained. It's power. I'm in. I'm in. I don't want to do it on my own. If you can give me something that gives me strength and empowers me, then why would I waste my energy to do it all by myself? Why would I do that? We bought a generator last year. We've been married for 23 years. We'll be married 23 years next week on the 20th. <laughs> We're not big on dates. 23 years, and we never, ever had a generator. We had power outages, lots of storms. Again, friends had generators, so we were like, we don't need them. Uh, the kids were babies, and we navigated everything super well. We did fantastic. However, last year, we're like, that's it. We've had enough. Like, we, guys, we've had really brutal weather, right? And the last one was horrendous. I mean, it did so much damage, like, not only to us, but to Newfoundland. And anyhow, it was awful. So we got a generator, and we renovated our basement. Um, we had a tenant. In order to get into our house, when we did, like 15 years ago, we had a tenant who would subsidize um, me not working outside of the home. I did childcare. I worked very hard. But we had this lady who was our tenant for a very long time. She left. We have this new basement floor all renovated. We lovingly call it the cottage. It's beautiful, it's, it's so nice, it's brand new. So when you look at the crown moldings and things, like it's still so clean and crisp, like it's beautiful. And so we had the generator during this storm and it was if nothing was different, nothing. We had our fridge, we had our TV, <laughs> Wi-Fi, um, the fridge was plugged in, the microwave, like it was fantastic. We had power. And I know that that little illustration isn't near as radical as the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you understand that correlation that the generator did bring power that we could not get on our own. Not in storm. Not at the work of our own hands. But it was power generated into our house. It is the same as the power of the Holy Spirit. He is gifted to us. He is gifted in all power so that we can walk out our faith here. The last recorded instructions from Jesus in Luke, which I just read, it's before he was taken up to heaven, was Jesus telling the disciples, don't even think about doing a thing. He says, wait, wait in the city. Don't do a thing without my power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys, his word is not enough. If Jesus is the spirit of truth and he just finished telling the disciples, I'm, look at what's going to happen. It's to your advantage that I go away. And then he promises you will never be alone. The Holy Spirit, the power is going to be in you. Why would we bother to do it without him? But we do. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the holy work of God. And that does not mean on this stage. It means when you're parenting. Do you not need the power of patience as a parent? Nothing changed my life more. What about your relationships? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you forgive. You need his supernatural power, which is simply the super over our natural. We too need and have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit like the disciples. Because I'm not my own savior. Don't you say a word. I'm telling you, I am not my own savior. We are set free by Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, he's the one who went to the cross. He was the one full of the Holy Spirit, led by God the Father to the cross for our sin. He did that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what happens is we tend to live free by the power of me. I don't know about you, but my personality, I'm really resilient. I am super resourceful. I'm really strong. I'm smart. I'm a good mom. Like, right? How can, that's all kinds of self. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. But that's, we get misled in our thinking. Thinking that self-help is better than holy help. And it's different. It's very different. When you walk out your faith, reading the word and praying, versus the full power of the Holy Spirit in you to read the word that he illuminates and he leads and he takes you on so that he can point to Jesus. He's that helper. Wrong thinking a tagline that our culture throws out all the time is, God helps those? So not true. God helps those who know how much they need the help of the Holy Spirit. The best self-help strategy is depending fully on the leading and yielding and being submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Is effort and, and like doing things that make us better? Yes, like we, we, that's required, you guys. We know we have flesh and blood and we're put on this earth. Yes, we need to put in an effort. But what happens is we think we're the true power that we can overcome and have authority over things that we don't unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit. True power we were gifted with to overcome and take authority in our lives. And Paul prayed this for the Ephesians and for us. It says in Ephesians 3.16, this is Paul, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Being strengthened is not enough. You need to be strengthened in power 
of the Holy Spirit. And why do we need to be strengthened in power? I mean, if you look at the big C church, you can see why. Because we're blowing it all over the place. When we step out in our own strength, when we don't stay connected to the Father, when we don't read his word. It says in Matthew 26, I don't know, maybe you can finish this. The spirit is willing, but the stinking flesh is weak. You try to be patient in the lineup at the grocery store when there's a couple of people ahead of you and there's this young guy who's working at the ca at, as a cashier and doesn't know the difference between romaine and iceberg lettuce and he's like just hired looking around. But this guy who's buying the lettuce decides to be a real not nice person to this kid. Well, I'll tell you, Holy Spirit's not really leading me in those scenarios because I just feel he needs to be told. Like this is a kid who's learning and, I, and, and so my self-control is sometimes lacking in those scenarios. My flesh is weak. It was said of Peter too. Peter gets a bad rap, hey? But what I would like to say is Peter, Peter didn't lack any love for the Son of God. I love Jesus. There's a couple of memes out there that are really funny. I love Jesus, but I dot, dot, and there's a couple of things. I'm not going to repeat them. It's not, not nice. <laughs> Peter didn't lack the love of the Son of God. He lacked the power of the Spirit of God. It's the same. It is the same for me. In Galatians 5... 6 through 26. We're going to read that because it's really, really, really important. And I have 14 seconds. Here we go. The chapter is called again, Life by the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Really, Lord, is it that easy? Yeah, it is. Because he's already told us the truth. The advocate's going to be in you forever. He's never going to leave you. And he's going to teach you and remind you. Walk by that, he says. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. They're, at, they're in conflict. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, right? Like that's really important because as a new Christian, when I would read the Word of God and not fully understand the partnership and the power of the Holy Spirit, it felt like I was a lawbreaker all the time. I can't measure up. I'm blowing it again. It's like, no, but that's why the Holy Spirit is here with us so that he can help us. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which means indulging in sex and alcohol and drugs. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred. Hatred. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage. 
dear Jesus, I needed to have that word when I was like a five-year-old. <laughs> Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Like, if, if you tell a lie, you can't produce truth. It, there's no way around that. That's a very good thing to teach your children. If you lie, it produces lies. That's why we always, rec like, would say to our children, tell me the truth. We'll figure out the rest of it. Like, don't keep things in darkness. Don't keep things a secret. Tell me the truth, and we're going to go from there. Because when they're lying, you can't produce anything from it. Same with adults. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus didn't make it hard for us. He said, you have an advocate to tell you the spirit of truth. Back in what we read earlier in John 14, we get in situations where our flesh leads, and deeper and more serious than Sobeys. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, No temptation has taken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Gives you a plan of attack. Helps you choose the power of the Holy Spirit. Because here's something that you need to recognize. Having the power of the Holy Spirit available is not the same as you being available to the power of the Holy Spirit. You get to choose. That's why we blow it all the time. That's why we choose flesh. Because you are not overridden by the power of the Holy Spirit. You get to choose him. You get to what it said here in, in Galatians. You get to side, you, you get to stay in step with the leading of the Holy Spirit, or you get to sidestep him. And sin is not just breaking rules, it breaks the heart of God. This book was never intended to just be a one-way street of do this and do that. It's a relationship. Sin breaks the heart of God. And we can grieve and stifle the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Of whom you were sealed. Sealed. Wrapped up. Covered. Contained. Held with. Sealed. Then the list of what grieves the Holy Spirit. Bitterness. Rage. Anger. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And malice just simply means every desire and intention to do evil. 
grieving the power of the Holy Spirit is bringing sorrow and pain to God. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. Never. If you have children in this room that don't serve the Lord outwardly, your prayers and asking the power of the Holy Spirit to be real to them, to lead them, to pull them, that's powerful. You just leave them. But don't neglect to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Because the Holy Spirit is there to do what he needs to do. And they will make a choice whether they're going to grieve or stifle the Holy Spirit. So to grieve Holy Spirit, I had that wrong mindset that he mis that I was misled that he left me. And then you go through this groveling and panic of, oh my God, how do I get him back? And what do I, and all this, no, he is in you forever. But the grieving Holy Spirit goes stifled, which simply means to prevent from breathing. You can stifle him and grieve him. And he gets grieved because he knows the disconnect of sin. He knows that it grieves the heart of the Father, but he's still there. Holy Spirit is grieved. There's no doubt about it when we coexist with sin. Our culture tells us different. Our culture paints a picture of how wonderful life is and you can do it on your own and that's not the truth. It's not the truth. Sin is incompatible with his character. Here's what the, the Holy Spirit is characterized. Comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and a standby. Standby gets me every time. Standby means this. A person designed, designed, set up, made perfectly to provide additional strength. There's a readiness for duty. The power of the Holy Spirit has no other chance can't do anything else. This is what he's characterized by, to be ready for duty. Ready. Positioned to be the strengthener. Holy Spirit backs us up and calls us out. It's also known as conviction. And conviction is not condemnation. Condemnation results in us running from Jesus rather than to him for strength and forgiveness. We've all done it. We've all done it when we're not led with the conviction. With like can condemnation come, come in. Gosh, and it beats you over the head and it drags you down and then you're, you're just, you're grieving the Holy Spirit all over again with your sabotage thinking. But conviction brings us closer to Jesus, which is the whole purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. His divine power has given us every single thing we need, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. 
our theology, what we believe, alongside the power of the Holy Spirit, can change our behavior. But what happens is, we take our theology and we lower it to match our behavior. Correct? Yes? Yes? We've been asked to do it as church leaders. By the way, culture says this, and people behave like this. So let's change the theology. How about this? How about we say... We are not going to grieve the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do everything we can. We are not enough on our own. And I sure as heck am not going to turn my back on the very presence and the power of the very person who helps me walk this out. You have authority. You have authority to overcome. I'm telling you the truth. You have authority. Personally, this morning, afternoon, afternoon. Again, I'll go back to being a disciple. Being a disciple is a learner. I hope you learn something. I hope that you're understanding and have a greater knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit today. And I wanna open these altars. I wanna open the frontier because altar means not just a fancy way of saying come forward in church. Altar means you have changed. Your mind is altered. You, you, you've got something different. And we're going to worship for just a few minutes. And my prayer is that you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Holy Spirit. We've learned all about what happens when you come. We've learned all about the spirit of truth. We've learned all about you. Holy Spirit, I pray that people would believe so that they could be set free, have authority to overcome. God, I pray for revelation over your people today, an unveiling of your truth and your power so that when they leave this room, Almighty God, they have strength. Father, that they're led and submitted and obeying to the ultimate power. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.